Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer at Label Sessions. In this episode, we have a conversation between Ian Montgomery and Nick Sherrod of Label Sessions. They talk about the future of advice and the recent supper club events in Edinburgh and London. I went to my first supper club in Edinburgh this past month, and it was an enlightening experience crossing paths with some of the most innovative minds Edinburgh has to offer. I'd highly recommend to attend. But for now, over to Nick and Ian. So Ian, you've been running supper clubs for a little while. Now they're all part of the whole uh, sessions ecosystem. Can we use that word? So um, we just run the first ones in the UK. So how would you describe the concept of supper clubs? I think the concept of the supper club is bringing 20-ish interesting people together in a room who wouldn't necessarily be in a room together and it started out around the concept of innovation so in toronto people who worked in innovation would often not spend time with other people who worked in innovation there wasn't the culture there wasn't the scene for it so we created the supper club as a way of bringing those people together to share what they were doing what they were succeeding with what they needed help with where they'd failed lessons learned etc from there it broadened out did it for about five years we've done it in different cities in canada um but really it's around people who are trying to drive change in an organization getting help from other people who have been there done it are doing it and by bringing them together and sharing stories they can hopefully do it better with more confidence or just make a good serendipitous connection yeah i think that's an interesting thing for me was actually seeing it in action in the uk because i think it's it's that kind of mixture of people who wouldn't normally be in a room is the thing that makes it more interesting than if you like I talk, yeah. especially because in this one, it was me talking. But in, like, in terms of like, I think that, no, that's the bit, because actually, you know, we've run it in Edinburgh. Edinburgh's a small city, so everyone thinks, well, and it is in some ways better at getting kind of the cross-pollination of people in different industries. But it's very rare you get people from the, the, the university in the same room as someone from Meta in the same room as people doing, you know, kind of uh, PR and maybe more of the kind of um, uh, sort of public sector innovation stuff that, that, that goes on. That's really rare. And then, London, in some ways, even more like that, I think, because it's such a vast city in that case. But because of that, people can quite often, you know, you see the same people if you go to a fintech do, you see the same thing if you go to an arts kind of sector do. So it's kind of getting the mixture of people is the sweet spot. And the more we do it, Toronto, we have regulars, but at every event, there's always probably 50% of people have been to one before. Some of those come to lots of them. And then there's always newbies coming through. So it's kind of nice having that little mix of folks. Yeah. And then when you do it in a smaller city, so like Edinburgh was more like when we did it in Calgary, where you have this yeah. incredible discussion. But a part of that discussion is what's good for Scotland or in Calgary, what's good for Calgary or what's good for Alberta. When you do it in London or Toronto, it's a little bit of a different um, people who think about things differently because they work in a bigger, more anonymous place, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to describe it to someone in Texas because we were talking about going there in a few months' time. I was trying to just trying to describe, get some help on where we should put it. I was trying to describe the vibe of the whole thing, which is really hard to do because it's basically, I think you're either up for being in a room with people you wouldn't normally be in a room with uh, and having a chat or you're not. And if you're not, it's kind of, you need to find a way of saying that to people. Like, it's cool if you're not up for it as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a well, weird thing. That's kind of why we're doing this. So it's people who are maybe not up for being in a room with 20 strangers or people who weren't in London on that night, weren't in Edinburgh on that night, aren't in Toronto next week when we do another one um, to sort of share a little bit about what you talked about. So it's not just about being a talk. 
it's more about people in the room, but we do try and get somebody to come along and talk about something that's kind of interesting, topical, and create a bit of discussion. It's just when we did it in the UK, we got you. So yeah, exactly. I thought you were quite good, though. <laughs> well, we used it as a bit of a chance to, uh, I guess, eat our own dog food and use the supper club as a way of sharing a thing we were about to bring into the world yeah. and get some thoughts on it. <laughs> so maybe like the what the the vibe of it for this one was all around the topic of advice because that obviously helps with what we're doing with label sessions but maybe a good place to start is for you what what's advice and how do you think about advice and tell us a bit about what you shared over that over those meals when i first started thinking about advice last year is because um a lot of it wasn't happening anymore so we kind of had uh, lots of the typical times when advice would happen informally, the kind of coffee, coffee, I did it again, but in terms of the water cooler moments, <laughs> also having meeting over a coffee in the kitchen or a kind of post-work drink. Lots of times when people get informal advice, um, they had kind of broken down. And that meant that people were feeling a bit isolated, I think. And in particular, it meant that people were not getting great advice around how to present themselves in the company or how to make the next move. Lots of those kind of informal networks were had kind of had kind of broken down. And it was interesting in terms of, I think, probably a lot of the people that came to the supper club in Edinburgh and in London, a lot of them had really embraced the remote working thing. So I think they kind of like both a bit, a bit, a bit I think similar headspace to me in terms of there's massive opportunities that come from the whole kind of working from anywhere, but it does mean there's consequences for culture. Um, and so in our case, anyway, end of last year, start of this kind of calendar year, we started talking to people around uh, what is good advice and why does advice matter? Um, and there's a bunch of stuff that comes from that. First of all, it's just a weird thing to talk about because everyone wants to talk about AI and more traditional innovation trends, but there's something that's important that, that um, that's here. Uh, and we also got to a set of characteristics around what good advice is that I think held true, even when we were doing the supper club thing of giving people some drinks and then asking people their view, opinionated people, their view on things. Um, so, I mean, the first of the characteristics is that often advice is kind of, a, you know, it illuminates something but it's not just giving you the right answer. And that's the bit that you, people, you can be cynical about at first because it can get a bit like a horoscope or something. It's like saying something that's true, but it doesn't give you like the, the kind of material right answer. But the, what's really going on is the importance of advice is it's mostly, good advice is mostly the result of someone not knowing the right question to ask in the first place. So there's a kind of reframing um, that goes on. Um, there's an interesting thing, which is quite often good advice changes the advice giver as well as the person that gets the advice yeah. uh, so people say hey you know i was asked this question i realized i did know the answer but i hadn't really articulated it that way to myself um uh, and also in terms of the authority of the of that advice is not based on kind of the footnotes it's based on the fact that the person giving the advice has, has walked the walk and gone through gone through the steps has done that thing for real and then the other characteristic of good advice which is just really fundamental which is we don't talk about it very much but actually everyone intuitively knows that there are moments in their life or in their career or in moments in their kind of the journey of their company, their project, when a bit of advice from someone was really gold dust, it kind of changed their life or their career. Uh, so intuitively, we all know that. But on the flip side, we just don't talk about it very much. Why do you think it is that people don't talk about it? What, what puts them off? Uh, I think there's a couple of things that are going on. So like on the one hand, uh, it's, it's, 
I think there's ways that can be enabled by tech. We'll maybe talk about that in a, in a wee minute, but it's not a kind of, it's not a new thing. So it doesn't kind of, kind of shape that innovation agenda. And I also think there's been a bit of a cultural cringe around advice for a while. So we talked a bit on the night around a lot of people that have been in what you might have considered the advice industries, like consulting, agency life, that kind of thing. None of those entities want to be advisors anymore. They all want to say, we want to, we want, we want to execute in some way. We need to go and do a thing. We kind of find this advice thing kind of like they don't want to be the advisor anymore it was interesting especially in edinburgh where we had some academics in the room that now when academics go into business when they should be in the absolute kind of advisor role let's take this bit of knowledge that i have and kind of uh, explain it to people a different way or show how they could implement it they start acting like consultants this is kind of like cringe that's around this that, um this um this whole piece uh, and I think also part of that is driven by there's a kind of economics to it, right? So in terms of the whole service industry of consulting and and, uh, and agencies has gone into execution because you can mobilize big teams, whereas advice in its true sense comes from people who've lived a thing, done a thing, and from that can offer advice. So I guess there's a kind of low-level cultural cringe around advice, which is a shame. And there's also like a hard economic driver that doesn't value it in the same way historically which is part of the thing we're then trying to take on with sessions to think of a different model or build a different business model around around advice. So you asked the question at the dinner tables, um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Yeah. Loads of examples that came up. But what were the ones that stuck out to you as mo the most interesting? I thought there was, I think the first thing somebody said in Edinburgh was ask better questions, which kind of played in this whole thing of part of the journey of advice is, is having things reframed in your mind. Um, and then I feel like there was lots of good stuff around the kind of more emotional stuff, how you give feedback, how you think about things. Uh, I'm trying to think it was all, there was lots of good stuff. I felt like in London, everyone got quite deep around that. It got quite personal in terms of like your leadership journey and things. But I think a lot of it came back to this thing of um, the advice from people who have actually been there kind of lets you make call out what the real choices are. And there always are real choices in the sense of the, you know, give up one thing in order to get something else. Yeah. Were the things that stood out for you? Because also I was kind of more moving the conversation along. So in some ways you're probably even better on the hearing what- I thought it was interesting. We went into the whole consulting thing in both groups without really wanting or trying to go there. Yeah. There's, in, there's the interesting thing of like, how do you then pass on good advice? Or how do you like, what do you do once you've had the advice? Because there's, Often advice is very like a personal moment. So it's important for that person, but it happened in a certain moment, in a certain time, in a certain conversation. And maybe that's why consulting moved more towards selling output or um, process more so than advice. Yeah. And actually, I thought that was interesting. There was a couple of people who were making this link around advice giving is actually good management if you think about empowering people, because it's actually saying... I'm not going to solve the issue for you entirely, but I'm going to give you really good guides and I'm going to give you good suggestions and uh, take you through this this, this kind of journey. Um, so it was interesting. I, I kind of felt as well, and lots of the conversations I had after I spoke, so once it got out of the group session, where people kind of reflecting themselves a little bit around saying, actually, if I take this more seriously myself and I think through, uh, which is kind of the journey I went on as well, like if you think through how you can get better at being an advice giver, that will open up quite a lot of different things for me. Uh, the the advice giver you touched on this of give and the person giving advice tends to learn something too because they reframe how they tell the story, 
or they get to like reflect on actually in hindsight when I did this before I didn't notice at the time here's something you should bear in mind and it's like how do you sort of pass on those sort of experiences and it helps them almost be it's a bit therapeutic to an advice giver almost often yeah back through the story again yeah it also makes you realize that some of the situations you're in can seem very pacific to what's going on and therefore isolating but actually it's kind of similar to what other people have dealt with in different ways especially in leadership in different ways because it's you know it's in different contexts but you're always dealing with the art the possible the teams and people we're dealing with the kind of consequences of decisions you've made before so there's a lot that's kind of common i guess as it, as it goes through there's a bit around maybe like advice is something like, like people always say feedback's a gift but advice is something you can kind of also choose to ignore or you don't have to take the advice on at face value there's how how you take on advice is almost as much of a skill as asking the question in the first place yeah yeah definitely it's definitely true and i think that's maybe the bit that is a bit i thought it was interesting in terms of the journeys people went on in the in the discussion which is part of being a good advice asker and actually we're seeing this a bit in the sessions now it's live as well right it's like uh, you need to kind of be open to the fact that you might not know the right question at the mm -hmm. start. I mean, you can get something out. You can kind of, you can go and ask ask a bunch of questions, and you get a bunch of answers back. But the really left field response is actually where a lot of the good stuff comes from. Yeah, it's interesting that you talked about politicians, and you talked about that they used to be in the office way actually way less, and now they're in the office way more. But that's actually impacted how they get advice. Just talk through that a little bit because I found that one of the really interesting examples. Yeah, club. well, it's a bit of history, it's a, but it's actually it's interesting. So, in terms of with the remote working, one of the things that was called out was that ministers in different levels of government in the UK, this study was done, were in the office only two days a week, um, and that and initially people were reporting that as, "Hey, what a new shift in government, and how do we get used to this kind of whole new model?" And then um, there was a study that was done that, that just pointed out that until the eighties, pretty much. There were very few government ministers who were in the office, as in the government office, more than one or two days a week. Um, and actually what had flipped in that time was that in, therefore, for most of the time of government, what ministers have done is given advice to people who execute. Um, what's happened in the time is that the sort of idea of management has flipped in the last 40 or so years so that now all the ministers are enrolled in execution. Uh, and they need an army of advisors to give them advice on what they should be doing. Um, which, all of which that model does get harder now that there's remote working and things that people are less in the same space and there's loads of issues around sharing information and all that kind of stuff. But it is just interesting in terms of we've had this cultural shift for a while where this idea of management and leadership is very much like this central person is the expert in all these things and they're going to go around making decisions and firing people up and I guess in the Elon Musk, Musk model now, kind of sleeping in the office because you're going to be across all these different things. There is a different way that, you know, has been, isn't like a crazy new way we just invented in Silicon Valley somewhere. There is like a, like a, like a, there's an there's a well established way of leading through giving great advice and through getting great advice before you make a decision. Yeah. That uh, should be, which is hopefully what we're doing with label sessions, but should be way easier now, right? Because everybody's, everybody's online everybody's you know on a video call like you and i are now so it should be even without sessions it should be way easier uh but it's just a it's a different way of working that people need to get their head around i think yeah it's, it's interesting that the network has never been had the ability to be as big as it is now but actually for a lot of people their networks have shrunk yeah. their remote workings meant that they don't have the sort of serendipitous collision or they 
well, they've got LinkedIn and all sorts of lists at their at their fingertips. It's so busy that well, a lot of people don't necessarily make the time to go do it, or they because it is remote, they second guess how to do a good introduction to someone who's a bit of a stranger. So I think like that's a really interesting sort of side of it. Like how do you get advice in a different way? Yeah, we'll figure that out with sessions at some point. Yes. Um, <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. What's bad advice? So um, one of the fundamental dynamics which we talked about a bit, a bit in the supper clubs is that lots of people who are um, very willing to give advice are quite often unqualified to do so. So there's just the opinionated ranting or whatever else. Uh, I think the, the one that comes out in business most often though is advice that's really sales or conflicted advice is it at least. Um, so you're either internally people are giving people advice but it's kind of a light touch instruction or it's kind of drive you towards a certain agenda or um, You've got lots of people who are giving you advice, but really it's to lead up to a statement of work or to a partnership or something else. So I think actually one of the things that's good about the supper clubs is because people are from different industries, they just chat about stuff and everyone knows there's no angle. Um, and it's probably self-selecting as well. The people that come are up for that. Yeah. Because you should, you should probably be opening and you've been taking this forward for a while. And there are certain people who, when you invite them to a supper club, either say, I want a full invite list of all the people that are there so I can optimize my time or want to know like what's the role of me in the room not not, not as, i don't want to be just a human in the room i need to in some way be operative number five from the fintech <laughs> industry <laughs> the whole thing around like innovation that like, the people who are really good at innovation are really good at handling ambiguity not everything has to be spelled out and they're also quite good at putting some structure around some ambiguity to help other people with them yeah but yeah i get this thing all the time like i'll invite people to supper clubs and they'll be like well what's the format what's the agenda who's coming how's it going to work it's like Mm, I don't know if I want to invite you anymore. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's why it's good is in terms of that kind of continuing crowd. So there's like a core group that kind of understand it and then we'll gradually take that out to the rest of the world. Exactly. The premise is turn up, have a drink, have some nice food and and just talk to people. And we try, we try and be good people and make connections and introductions. But like, it's kind of funny that I, I post these and the Edinburgh one's a great example. Everyone turned up at the downstairs bar before we went and sat at the table. And I, as we sat at the table, I, like, I don't know who half these people are because I've not had a chance to say hello, but they've all become best friends. Yeah, so it's, like, it's almost like it's interesting watching the dynamic of when people, when, well, how many we had 17 people turn up and you just put them in a room and see what happens. I find that the most fascinating thing. Well, it's interesting as well in terms of, because actually in terms of, you know, the way I ended up the talk was talking around, hey, we should, we should, one, we should take advice more seriously. Two, there should be a whole range of new tools that come forward now that can make this global advice and mentoring thing work of which sessions hopefully is the, is the forerunner and you know everyone listening to this should go and get sessions rather than anything else but there will be other people that do something similar uh over time so that, that that's kind of where it was but then i think the thing that's interesting in the supper clubs was that uh you know we had some really interesting conversations generated between people doing like crazy automation of bus depots people working with some of the biggest uh digital social media platforms in the world people uh one you know a guy looking at the sort of commerce operation that sits behind an influencer business 
uh, we had people working, like I was saying, in more kind of in government roles, sometimes directly around innovation, sometimes more around communication. Um, and one, the conversation between those people worked really well. I think it's really surprising to me on some level is that the number of actual collaboration points that come off the back of it is really surprising to me in some level. But you, you do realize once you actually get people together, there's an interesting conversation because people look at things a different way. And then secondly, there's a real hard business benefit because they then start to go, actually, I can help you do this thing. Or I know somebody else for a surprising reason that can connect up. It's funny how when you stop being quite as transactional as some people are, when they send you a message saying, I won't come unless I've got like, a, like an invite list and a, you've given me my, my role for the day. Um, actually, those people, if they could only understand that actually going, putting yourself in a more open position is actually the more efficient thing to do, the more professional thing to do. Was that the 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 person that you're actually sat across from might be not be the one that can help you, but they very likely know somebody who can. Or you end up this like sort of conversation of we did the train station thing. We should get Chris on this talking about train stations. But we sat next to one of the guys that we interviewed during the project, and someone on the other side of the table was like, "Oh, I just remembered that thing you were doing was really interesting. I should introduce that person to that person. I don't know anything about the topic, but this person does." So it's kind of that cross-pollination, the second degrees, third degree connections is actually really interesting, which if you just saw it on an agenda or an invite list, you might go, ah, oh, no, that's not, for, that's not really for me. Yeah, that um, does make a lot of sense. Although, Ian, you do need to get better at your introductions. I think so selling someone is just, he should, he should come on here and talk about train stations. Uh, like, that's a hard sell. I mean, it's not because some people are really into train stations, but there's more to it than train stations. Let's not describe it as now, but like for a future one, he should, he should there's more to it than train stations. There's a lot more to that guy than train stations, but the best thing about that event, and I should get this guy on as well, is someone who has nothing to do with train stations basically argued with this man that the Toronto transit system was broken and it livened up the room. It was like, I thought we were going to have a punch up at one point, but it had to be like a really interesting debate. So yeah, yeah state, like we can do all these on all sorts of weird and wonderful topics and we will. But um, yeah, it's amazing the things that you don't think people are going to be into, get, they get really into. Anyway, um, yeah. More on that later in future episodes. Uh, so two, two last questions. One, if you'd summarize one big takeaway that you had from the ones we did in London, Edinburgh, what did you, what did you get from that? I, uh, I think one of the takeaways was just that, that um, well, actually, there's a couple. I think one of the takeaways was that, you know, that format of getting people in a room is, works in the UK because I, I wasn't sure if it would work quite as well in the UK as it did in the US and Canada. Uh, the second takeaway is that there is a actually just a reflection on that is there is something different when we get people in a room which we've talked about a bit in sessions there is like there's a thing certain things that an online conversation is great for certain things are getting in a room it's great for um, and I would say the key aspect that took away from both of the discussions directly on advice was um, that one of the dangers of where we are currently is with the kind of chat GPT thing and the whole kind of AI digital, the, the, the amount of information that's at our disposal is that we are, we have incredible machines for giving us answers to the questions that we already know how to ask. And what we have to be aware of ourselves as people and as professionals and whatever it is you're doing is being open enough to realize that you've asked the wrong question. And that's where I think there's a real interesting space for a different type of service to open up. I love how we like 
went through this and didn't talk about chat GPT until the big takeaway in which she was like, oh, actually, that's really important. So, um, no, you're totally right. Like the that was actually like a really big thing for it was like you have all this abundance of technology and tools, but still the human connection and like what you get from a proper conversation doesn't replace that. Uh, last question. Um, why why should somebody come to a supper club? I think someone should come to a supper club because um, because they want to meet people they wouldn't normally meet and they want to hear a conversation they wouldn't normally hear. Uh, and um, because they want to meet other people who will turn up to events with that in mind. I think that's the fundamental thing. So it's almost like, I, you know, I don't want to spoil this for any kind of marketing content you're going to put together, Ian, but like uh, I would say uh, don't come to supper club if all you want to do is go through talk through an agenda or you want to go to another networking event with the same people do come if you go to networking events and get a bit bored do come if you find yourself find your brain like that you enjoy hearing new things and seeing new things i'm, I'm gonna have to put that on the marketing content now aren't I? <laughs> yeah yeah you make the whole campaign here's the reason you shouldn't come yeah, <laughs> it, make, it, will, it will honestly make the invites so much easier and it'll yeah, make yeah. it better for the people who do. So, yeah, yeah. maybe we can build um, a, a chat GPT bot that just goes, are you going to ask any of these questions? If so, it's probably just not for you. That's fine. Not for you, pal. Sorry. What we'll do is we'll do these little wrap ups. So quick 20 minutes or something like that. Here's some interesting stuff that we talked about. Here's some stuff that's coming up. Um, and then for the people that probably shouldn't come or for the people that couldn't come, they can get a little bit of a flavor of what we talked about i should also say in that uh not everybody has to but if people are up for doing these kind of podcasts and things afterwards having been to an event if they can flag it with you that would be nice too yeah you, you don't have to nobody has to nobody has to do a podcast with Ian. but if they chose to <laughs> it would be okay why would you ever why would anyone refuse to do a podcast with me anyway thanks for joining me on this first stories of the supper club nick and uh we'll we'll see some people at a supper club soon so concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.